Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 114. This is your host, Deb Falzoy, and this week we're talking about how to move on from abuse at work. I'm talking with Jolyn Nelson, who has her PhD in organizational psychology, and she's going to talk about, um, you know, why we can't just let go after we've been bullied and what we, but what we can do to move on after we've been abused at work. Are you ready to hear what Jolyn has to say more after this? If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you've found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. Before I get started today, I want to talk about Patreon. I have a new Patreon account at patreon.com slash screw the hierarchy, and I have a really quick survey on there about what kind of rewards you'd like. Everything from early access to episodes, to exclusive episodes, behind the scenes content. Okay, so let's start with what organizational psychology is. Can you explain like your background in that? Yeah, so um, I have gotten my PhD in industrial organizational psychology. Um, you know, I originally had interest of that when I was getting my bachelor's 20 years ago, uh, you know, when you, in psychology, they go through different types of psychology. They go through cognitive psychology, they go through clinical psychology. And when they started discussing industrial and organizational psychology, the content was just really exciting and, uh, uh, really just kind of something that I showed a lot of interest in. So to be more, you know, what an industrial organizational psychologist does is that's an individual that really focuses on the, not just the physical, but the mental well-being of employees. Um, you know, they really focus on the human behavior in the workplace. Um, sometimes that focuses on training, uh, developing the tools for training and how training goes. Sometimes, you know, when employees, you'll, if you're working and you take uh, surveys at work, that's part of what industrial organizational psychologists do. They, uh, they make the surveys on there. Um, it's also, you know, focused for improving both the individual and the organization, right? You know, kind of uh, both of it. And of course, they, you know, the companies, they want to focus on increasing workplace productivity, but there is organizations who understand that there's that other component uh, with the employee's well-being isn't just the physical and safety well-being, right, of breaking their arm. There's also the mental aspect of it. So that's more, you know, uh, of what's unique about the industrial organizational psychologist. Excellent. Um, So from your perspective as an organizational psychologist, what are the problems um, that, that people face who are abused at work? You know, when people are abused at work, um, there's multiple problems. Um, you know, there's, when you're bullied at work, there's the part of, you know, not being able to meet the job expectations. People sabotage you, uh, people, you know, gossip behind your back, it causes additional stress. Um, there's also, you know, just not being able to do your job. 
I think what gets missed a lot of time and what is important aspect of being an IO psychologist is how individuals cope with that stress with workplace bullying. I think that's what one of the bigger aspects and problems that face employees. You know, there's, there is legal legislation out there that if you're bullied and you're in a protective class, there's, there's laws that protect you. Now, if you're not, you know, uh, in a protected class, there's not legislation that will protect you. But even those that are protected, uh, they're protected, their position's protected, but they're still abused at work. They're still an individual who has been victimized. Um, and then that aspect is missed with organizations. You know, uh, that stress part of it. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, you've been bullied at work. We've slapped the person's hand. We've written them up. We fired them. But that individual is still left with that traumatic uh, experience. And how do they move on from that traumatic experience so they can heal from it and go back to being where they're at work and they're able to function with their job, you know, back to the level that they should be able to do. So can you explain more about that piece of it? So say an organization does address a, a bullying issue, removes the bully from the situation. Um, why, why are individual employees unable to just let go after they've been bullied? You know, that's a good question. And I think this comes down to individuals being able to move forward and cutting the cord. And it, I think it has a lot to do, I call cutting the cord in a sense with moving forward, forgiveness, turning the page. There's a lot of different, you know, catchphrases and words out there for it, but it really has to deal with individuals having those coping skills and having the skills needed to be able to let go, move forward, you know, <clears throat> turn the page. That's what's missing is that education piece and that skill for being able to do that. You know, organizations, they write it up, they handle it, and then they kind of wash their hands on it. What is missing is if individuals don't already have that capability or have that skill, they're left trying to figure it out on their own. And then that's what's difficult for them is, okay, what do I do now? I've been bullied. I'm out of the situation, but I still have this emotional attachment to this situation that I can't move on from. And that's where an individual, you know, has to go outside of the, their employer to get what is needed for them to be able to move forward. Um, and what, what are those things that, that a target needs or that they can do to move on after getting bullied at work? You know, individuals really need to make it about a uh, priority for their mental health. If, for example, if you have a broken arm at work, you know, you're in pain, you have that physical sensation, you can see your, you know, the arm is broken, you can get a test done, get medical treatment for it. But people often won't make that mental health their, their priority. They won't go and address those issues, you know, with abuse at work, when they're unable to cope with it and, and move on, you know, there's the underlying 
symptoms that include the loss of sleep, you know, irritability, headaches, you know, goes into the physical form. So, and it might not even be so dramatic enough to where people are going to the hospital. You know, they're constantly getting migraines from the stress at work. So they're constantly taking, you know, uh, Tylenol, Advil. They're constantly, you know, working on the symptoms rather than addressing the cause, which is the stress, which has to be dealing with the, with the bullying. So it's really important to make that mental health a priority. Um, and it's also difficult for individuals to realize when they have the psychological damage. Um, don't muscle through it. It's okay to recognize that you are stressed and to address it. Do something to help yourself. You know, some things to do. Find your tribe is what I like to say. There are individuals out there that have gone through what you've gone through or understand or support you. Find that support system. Recognizing that you're not alone is one of the biggest supports that an individual can use. Social support is also the most impactful form. And it's also the most sought out form for individuals who's been abused at work. It's the number one coping skill that people use is social support. That means their friends, their families, their peers, their coworkers, um, you know, finding your tribe and having those people who can help you move forward is uh, one of the most impactful things that you can do to help with your mental health. Educate yourself. Learn about the behaviors that are happening. When an individual's being mugged, for example, when you're out on the street, somebody mugs you, they grab your purse, you know you're being victimized, you know. But when somebody does bullying behaviors, they usually start very subtle. And often um, they don't usually go to the extreme behaviors of bullying where you're getting pushed or, you know, people are screaming at you like you might see. They're often subtle, they're gaslighting, they're uh, gossiping, they're in forms of email, they're less dramatic and often unrecognizable. So the more that you can step out of the situation and learn about what is bullying, it makes it easier to identify. Don't let it consume you. That's another thing. A lot of times individuals who are being abused, it just consumes them. They just, it, it goes back to the coping piece. They just can't let go. They just can't stop away from it. Don't let it consume your conversation with others. Try to help yourself redirect that conversation into something more positive. Sometimes you just got to change the channel, right? You got to change the conversation, you know, start talking about different content. And then last, find a way to let go. Find a way to move on. Start looking at different options and your circumstances don't change. Look, if the, if you've reported it, and that person's still there. Yeah, they might have, you know, written them up and, you know, it stops, but you're still traumatized. You still have been victimized. Seeing that other person, seeing an email from that other person, you know, uh, having to interact with that other person, that if you're not able to, to let that go, you're still going to experience that stress. Um, it's just not going to go away. And if that's something that, you know, you're not able to handle at work, it's okay to move on and try to find another job. It's okay to start learning a, start applying on Indeed. Sometimes just going on in Indeed and applying is a way to start moving forward. It makes you feel better because you're feeling like you're taking control and you are taking control of your own circumstances. You're able to you know, stop the situation and feel like you can make a difference for yourself. 
Um, you know, sometimes people who are in fields that they're, they're mature in their fields, sometimes they're in situations where they can't get out of where they're at because they're just, because they're too experienced. Um, sometimes it's about going back to school. Sometimes if you're going back to school and relearning a new, uh, a, a new career path, a new skill, uh, sometimes that helps a new trade that helps them from moving forward. But it's really about just not staying where you're at. And of course, making your mental health a priority, finding your social support, educate yourself, uh, try to do something um, to move forward. Great. Um, yeah, I, I um, you know, in talking with, with targets, um, you know, there's, there's this sort of like common clinging onto the job, like I'm not the one who should have to quit kind of mentality. And while that's true, um, it kind of keeps a lot of targets, including myself when I was in it, like sort of in this tunnel vision that, you know, focused on a lot of those um, details and the rumination. And um, I think that reminder that we have choices and options is so important to this. Um, because, you know, people don't, people, like, we don't actually want to quit our jobs when we are in this situation. But as you're saying, it's, it's a, uh, it can be important for our mental health. So um, I don't know if you, you have anything you want to add to that piece of it in terms of like wanting to quit your job, like debating quitting the job piece. Of yeah, it. you know, people really don't want to, people really don't want to quit. They, they just want to come to work. They want to do their job. They want to be able to connect with people. Some people don't, but some people just want to come in, do their job and then go home. And when they're experiencing abuse in the workplace, you know, they, they don't necessarily really want to leave their job. They get put in a position to whether they have to leave because of the traumatic experience and they, you know, it's the coping and the mental health aspect of dealing with the other individuals. So yeah, the back to the scenario, you've gone to HR, HR has addressed it with the other um, bully, but there's still situations, you know, that linger from it. Um, they just want the bully to stop is really what it boils down to. Um, they don't, they don't want the stress. They want the stress and the conflict to go away. And when they're ha sometimes they don't even really want to go to HR and make a whole thing of it. They just, they just don't want to have to deal with the bully. There are some strategies individuals can use um, to keep yourself a little bit more uh, mentally sound. So when you're dealing with somebody who's an ag aggressive a bully or even passive aggressive, Sometimes just not reacting. Um, there's a tactic strategy called a gray rock. You know, when you have somebody who's coming up and who's pushing your buttons, uh, you know, whether it's through an email that, you know, they've copied your boss, which they know is going to piss you off, or they are calling you out and saying, you know, uh, trying to make you look bad, uh, or they're in your face and saying something that they're trying to push your buttons. You know, being a, a gray rock, don't give them the attention. Don't react. 
that, you know, because that's what they're looking for. Um, it's a power play. It's an emotional power play. They're looking to see how you're going to behave. And when you behave what they're looking for, that's what they're wanting. They're wanting that attention. They're craving it. So when you're a gray rock and you don't respond and you don't fall into the trap with them, you know, that's one of the ways sometimes when they're just testing you to see who, if you're going to respond or not, when you don't respond, the sad part is they're just going to go to somebody else, right? Bullies don't stop. They don't just pick on you and that's it. They go to the people that will uh, react to them. So they're going to go to somebody else, but for yourself, uh, for your mental health, for your protection, don't react. Document, 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 document. So document is important when it comes to showing a pattern. It's important when you're going to HR. It's important when you know, you're having to handle the situation legally. But it also has a, a secondary important component. When you write stuff down or you type stuff down and you document it, you get it off your chest. What you do is you take it out of the brain from the relational aspect of your brain, the emotional part, and you put it into uh, concrete words and you get it out. You put, you, you change it from relational to, um, they put it as a, um, uh, I'm not sure what it's called top of my head, but you, you turn it into factual and you get it out of your head. That is a, significant coping skill for people, uh, being able to, to move on. Also, <clears throat> you want to document as well, because if you're being gaslighted, or if you have somebody who's gossiping, or they're twisting facts on you, putting it down uh, into paper helps document what happened and what didn't happen. Um, it would say, no, you know, you can put, I stated this, they stated this. That's also important to helping yourself understand what's happening. Um, you know, and also when individuals are not factual or they're trying to, you know, make you look bad, it's okay to stand up for yourself and correct them <clears throat> in the moment or on email. It's okay to say words like, that's not my perception of the situation or what I observed that happened was, <clears throat> you know, it's okay to stand up and, and it doesn't have to be a big out fight back with them, but just say, mm, no, that's not really what happened. This is what happened. So, you know, doing those tactics is what helps people, you know, when they're working to feel more empowered so that they realize that they, you know, they just don't have to quit. They can handle the situation. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, what else, um, or I should say, why is it important to practice self-care? You know, you mentioned <clears throat> some coping mechanisms, but why is it so important to, to focus on self-care in this situation? Yeah, <clears throat> that's, that's something that, um, is a good question. Work is stressful. Work is tough, man. You're dealing with people that have different personalities. They have their own agendas. Um, you know, they're stressed at work too. I think sometimes that that gets missed. I'm not saying it's okay that that's why they do it or what happens, but there's, a, you know, other people are stressed at work. So often 
some some people are attacking attacking you because they're stressed at work. You got to take care of yourself. You have to practice self care. You are responsible for you. You are not responsible for that other person, and you have to watch out for yourself. The importance with self care, not only with taking care of yourself, but if you've ever been in an airplane, <clears throat> and you know they always tell you. <clears throat> put your ma oxygen mask on first before you put the oxygen mask on others. You can't help others unless you help yourself. <clears throat> you can't help others unless you help yourself. You have to make sure that you are taking care of your mental health and your emotional health. Otherwise, when you're at work, you're not going to be productive and you're going to have difficulty doing your job. When you go home, that's going to impact you at home um, if you're not practicing self-care. But the most important part of self-care is that you are looking out for your mental health and your physical health. And you mentioned um, that, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, it can impact your home life. Um, who, who else does it impact when we, um, when we get bullied at work? You know, the sad part about being, um, you know, abused at work is that it, it has a ripple effect. It has a ripple effect around others um, that you associate with your, your family, your friends, your coworkers. But I think what, you know, others affecting the others at work is often, you know, it's talked about with the bystanders, you know, how it affects the coworkers' performance, how it affects the company. Um, but that ripple effect of how it affects your friends and your family is often not discussed. You know, um, it's hard to not take it home. Uh, when I've been bullied, I took it home and I couldn't separate it. You know, the stress when I went home it affected my husband, you know, cause he wanted to help and he couldn't help me. So he felt, you know, uh, he felt sad. He felt frustrated. You know, he wanted to do what he could, but there's just nothing he could do for me. Um, you know, it affected my kids. You know, when I, uh, when I was bullied, I had depressive, I became depressive. And, um, so then I wasn't able to interact with my kids, you know, they wanted to go to the park, you know, I wasn't able to take them apart because, you know, mom was having difficult time with, with, you know, being able to get out of bed and, you know, having, having, um, that will to be able to do other things. So it, it, others are also victimized in a sense, um, in a, and abused uh, by it, not me abusing them, but they're also victimized as a secondary uh, victim in the situation. Sometimes also there's the other side of it where if you have an individual who isn't able to control that stress and they don't, they don't take it internally, individuals with depression often will internal, you know, they, they take it internal. There are others that, um, are more where they yell at their family because they're upset or they're agitated. So they have less patience with their family members or friends, or they, you know, uh, kind of just fuss at the family or they, you know, take it out on them. Uh, unfortunately, that is something that happens. So it's, it's a sad, sad ripple effect 
when individuals are abused at work and how that really just hurts the family and the friends when individuals aren't able to practice that self-care or are not able to utilize coping skills to be able to uh, to keep it at work. So can I ask you an, another question based on that? Um, so say you're being bullied at work and you're being gaslit and you're being convinced that like you are the problem and you're trying to, you know, you've always been this great employee and you're trying to like sort through the facts and the fiction and, um, you know, you're ruminating because you're figuring out where to, where the truth, like where you can land on the truth basically. So from your own perspective as a, as a target and from the bystanders perspective, or just like a support, like a spouse or a Mm -hmm. um, friend, family, um, what do you, what's your recommendation for sort of the best, like knowing that this is like a normal, the ruminations kind of a normal response, um, just wanting the pain to stop is a normal response, but like you said, p- other people not being able to do anything. Um, what is your, like, how do you, how do you sort of manage that situation? Like, what can the person do um, as the target? What can the s- mm-hmm. spouse or the friend or the family member do to actually be supportive? Um, do you have any advice around that? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, um, when I was being, dealing with gaslighting at work, one of the best things my husband did for me that kind of helped me be able to, um, you know, leave it at the door in a sense, was he listened, right? He was able to listen to what was going on. And then he also gave a perspective of, of, you know, that's just not right. That doesn't make sense. Or, you know, validating that, you know, that other person is, is not correct. Uh, sometimes having a, a person to connect with that's on the outside helps bring uh, a real perspective of what's going on because you're so involved in it with the gaslighting, with everything. When they sit there and say, well, that sounds stupid, or that doesn't make sense, or no, they're supposed to do that. That's not correct. You know, that that's a that's an important component to being able to help is validating that you're not crazy, you're not the one that you realize that this isn't okay. Um, also, you know, maybe letting your spouse know what you need when to be able to move forward. Um you know, sometimes it's a, I'll tell you when, uh, uh, it, if you're in a situation where, you know, you know, you need time to separate, to get it together. It's just saying to your husband, okay, look, I need, or your spouse or your partner or your family or your friends or whoever it is to say, you know what, I need to disconnect for 15 minutes and then let me do my coping skill. People have different coping skills that help them. So letting your uh, other, your support system know what your coping skill is. So that way they can remind you, you know, what you can practice your self-care. Why don't you go sit down and, you know, watch your favorite show for a few minutes and then, and then they can come back and talk with you and knowing that you've been able to recover a little bit. Uh, You know, maybe, 
letting them maybe doing dishes for them to help out with chores, extra chores around the house, or maybe just having a conversation. I think it's dependent upon the individual knowing you and you also recognizing what you need to get better and communicating that back and forth. I know with my kids, you know, it was a matter of me telling my kids, I'm so, you know, especially when they were a little bit older. Um, and after I realized it was happened, I know, you know, I might've gone through and uh, been a little bit more agitated because they didn't do the dishes when I got home. And then if I might've fussed at them, then I sat back and then went back to my kids and said, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit more upset and agitated <clears throat> going back and having those second conversations with them as well. I love that. Yeah. Um, so when we've been harmed at work, um, how do we know when it's, um, how do I know, how do we know that it, when it's reached a level of a mental disorder or how, can you talk about that? Yeah, there are some, uh, there are some signs that you can, you know, when you know about them and recognize they're happening to you, that this is where it starts to be coming to an, to a mental disorder. Uh, if you're having sleep disturbances, like you can't sleep your normal routine, <clears throat> if you're having social isolation, so you find yourself uh, when you would normally go out with friends or go to movies or go do activities and you find yourself being more isolating yourself, you're just not going out like you used to, social isolation, weight changes, either way, more or less. Uh, some people eat more to deal with stress. Some people eat less to deal with stress. If you're having uh, significant weight changes, if you're having feelings of guilt and worthlessness, um, mood swings going from being uh, feeling being happy to uh, agitation, um, personality changes, that kind of goes back to the social isolation. Or if you're uh, with personality changes, if you're more agitated and you pop off and, you know, uh, get upset with people easier than you used to, and then having a lot of worry and anxiety, uh, additional worry and anxiety. Those are things that start moving into a mental disorder. If you're not able to regulate and have the proper coping skills to, you know, to be able, for example, you might have one or two nights where you're having, where you're not getting your full night's sleep. But if it's happening consistently, that's a pretty good sign that you, you want to go see somebody, whether that's go to your primary physician, you know, let them know what issues you're having, do telehealth. Sometimes they don't require you to come in. Um, you know, if you feel comfortable with going to a, um, a psychologist or a counselor, you know, talking with them, it, it's really at that point, just reaching out to a medical professional and saying, look, I'm having these situations, uh, these things are happening. And then what they'll do is that they'll, st they'll start asking you more questions and determining whether it's turned into a mental disorder or not, whether it's turned into a uh, general anxiety disorder, whether it's turned into depression, anxiety. Um, there's multiple things that turn into a mental health disorder that we just don't realize are happening to us. Great. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add or any parting words for the audience? Um, you know, I, 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 I just want to help people realize a few different things. You know, 
the big part is that self-care and recognizing that you might be having mental damage from being abused, um, psychological damage. And it's okay to recognize that it's happening to you and to seek help, whatever that help might be. It might not be going to a physician. It might be just reaching out to your social support, or it might be, you know, playing Candy Crush a little bit more on the computer, or it might be, you know, pulling out your phone and being on Facebook and, you know, going to um, getting positive uh, affirmations sent to you. Uh, You need to take care of that mental health. You, You need to make it a priority for yourself. Being abused at work, you are being victimized. It is not okay, but it is okay for yourself to heal. It is okay for yourself to move on. It is okay to get better. It is okay to be able to recognize that this isn't what I want to be. I want to feel good. I want to feel like I can go out and do things that make me happy. And then to be able to move on from the situation at work and not bring it home. That's what I think the most important thing that I want to help people understand. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, And the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.